Welcome to Wisco Dice. I'm your host, the Conzie with the most, and I am joined here today by... Hey, this is Suzanne. Brian, Stark Raving Mad is here. Hey, it's Justin, uh, a.k.a. the Meeple's Champion. If you smell what the Meeple is cooking. And this is episode 84 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. Today is September 5th, 2021. On today's episode, we'll cover tricking out your game space, our hobby corner where we catch up on our miniature painting projects. We'll also talk about what games we've been playing, but first, let's talk a little bit about Gen Con! Woo! <laughs> All right, so most of us, except for Stark, have been to Gen Con in previous years, and this Gen Con is a little bit different. It's later in the year, a little bit less people. Some vendors aren't going, but Suzanne and I are definitely attending this year's Gen Con 2021 in person in Indianapolis. So there's also an online Gen Con, and there are pop-up Gen Cons. I think Noble Knight Games are here in Madison. I'm not sure if Misty is running one, but uh, there's a number of ways that you can participate in Gen Con and, and have this have the fun. But uh, we did want to mention that Suzanne and I are going to be at Gen Con. We will be loaded with Wisco Dice swag, so if you run into us, have an opportunity to get some stickers or maybe some other swag, a chance to meet some of the hosts. Also, an opportunity on Sunday to catch us for a special Gen Con edition of Board Game Brunch. So grab your food cart food and join us uh, in, I think it's Exhibit Hall A, where uh, the open gaming is, and locate us. We'll have a special little Wisco Dice banner thingy or something up and so that you can find us and... Uh, Mentioned that you you know heard about wanting to be participating in board game brunch. It'll be an opportunity for you guys out there that are listeners to have a chance to play and enjoy some grub and pair it up with a really cool board game. And on our next episode, feel we will almost assuredly come back and lambast you with all of the cool games that we picked up at Gen Con and which ones that we are really excited to play about. But. Uh, in the meantime, I think someone here has a short list of games she's wanting to check out at Gen Con. I, I do. It started with 182, down to <laughs> 22 that I have to check out. That means that Ben is going to have to stop at all those booths and look at with me and pro- hopefully go through demos. <laughs> and I will say my, my top three list has been changing quite frequently, and it has changed in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I'm looking at forward to looking at Vivid Memories. Uh, it looks similar to Obscuria Mysterium Park. Ooh. So that which is a game which are games we really enjoy here. Uh, Rocket Men by Martin Wallace. And then this game I definitely want to check out just because of the name Cosmic Frog. You're oh, a giant frog that. in it and it just looks like and sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, Have you seen the movie. miniatures for that? They're these gigantic, like, frog things. They're like, I mean, the idea is that you're like a frog that, like, eats planets or something <laughs> like that. So they have these gigantic miniatures. Looks really cool. I've, I've, I've seen a little bit about that game. You, that's, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. yeah. There's a good chance that one will be coming back if it can it just because very of unique. that. Yeah. I have this feeling that it's games coming back and it's not a game I'm very interested in. That's all right. <laughs> it has cool minis. Just, the minis <laughs> are cool. This is, we, I took Suzanne in 2019 was her first Gen Con and this is exactly what happened is she had like this list and we went from booth to booth to booth of all these games that 
she was really interested in it. I mean, it was great because that's how I discovered Artemis Project, which I absolutely love um, from Grand Gamers Guild. But it was definitely this go to booths, go to booths, check out games. And we didn't buy every game we went to a booth to check out or <laughs> every game that you had me try. You know, uh, we got tickets and we tried, but we didn't. Yes. Not every, but almost, almost not every booth did we get a game that. Uh, no. Every game you that I to had check. you signed up to try, you bought. Well, the ones you, that I played, yeah. That's how we picked up Ganymede and what is the food truck one and some other yep. ones. So it's Gen Con. It's what it's for is buying games and playing playing games. And yeah, yeah they, we got came home with Ishtar, which we played a ton from that Gen Con. Um, Artemis Project. Just a ton of great titles. I'll be interested to hear this year just, you know, I mean, I've been a couple times just how different it is uh obviously with everything going on with the pandemic and if it changes at all or if any, everyone is just it's the same massive you know vendor hall stuff with people are be interested to hear that. i think the vendor hall is going to be a lot different because the cap is like thirty thousand people i think hmm. per day so like yeah there'll be a bunch of people standing around trying to get into the vendor hall but it's not going to be the same crazy wave of people because People are going to be also playing games and in events and stuff like that. Like I think every day the vendor hall opens, we're in. We have scheduled events right now, so mm. we won't. We won't even be near it watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not doing timed releases either. Oh, so, for for new games and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, they might have put a kibosh on that just to try yep. to prevent and curb that so rushes. So. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be an interesting experience. We're looking forward to it, though. So let's dive into what games we've been playing, and we're going to start with our game from Board Game Brunch that we just played, and that is Lock Up, a role-player tale. So, Justin, if you wanted to dive in and tell us a little bit about this game. Yeah, uh, so Lock Up is a game published by Thunderworks Games, which I will point out is a local Madison game publisher, which we are big fans of. Woot woot! Yeah. Um, <clears throat> who notably made the role-player game and its expansions. Uh, so Lockup is in the role-player universe. In the game, each of the players is a gang of fantasy creatures who is locked up in a fantasy prison. And we are trying to uh, gain the most reputation to essentially win the favor of the king. Basically to get out of prison. There's some story behind it that we're going to compete in some gladiatorial arena or something, but it really doesn't come into the game. It's really get the most reputation points to get your gang a chance to get out of prison. It is a worker placement game where your crew of goblins or bugbears or insectoids is a, a set of uh, six or seven worker tiles that have a strength value on them. And to take an action in the game, you place a number of those workers with strengths, you know, zero through five or more onto a space and bid for top place on that space. If most of the spaces work that if I have the most strength in that area, when we come to resolve all the actions, I get the biggest benefit or reward from that uh, location. So um, some of the locations provide basic resources, iron, gold, um, scrap, uh, which you use to build items that were earn points. Some of the spaces will let you gain power to make your crew even stronger and make one of your special crew members, the enforcer, have an even higher strength. So he's sort of a wild card worker where you can boost his strength during the game and get him 
even stronger as the game goes on. And while you're doing this, these sort of illicit activities going on in the prison will raise suspicion of the guards. And as you take actions, you may be gaining suspicion cubes that build up on your player board. And at some point, if there's enough suspicion raised, the guards do a raid and the player who has the most suspicion will lose some points. So you have to be a little judicious about uh, gaining this suspicion and managing that so you don't lose too many points when these raids come up. Other things you can do in the game are hiring goons who can score you uh, points for uh, other cards that you've played or just score points on their own. Uh, and you can craft uh, special items that will gain you points at the end of the game or potentially provide in-game benefits like removing some suspicion or getting you resources. That's sort of the game in a nutshell. Uh, what triggers the end of the game? Like, is it a time turn-based thing? Okay. It's six rounds. Once the sixth round is over, you sort of trigger a final raid. So the, the player who has the most suspicion at that point will, will lose some points. And then you score up uh, and you get points for um, the goons that you've hired and points you've earned during the game for crafting these special items. There's also some scoring objectives that change for each game. There's a, sort of a, 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 a leader objective which can pass around whoever has the most of some particular item or symbol and there's one where you know if you're the first player to achieve some objective you'll get some points uh and i forget the it's an end game goal score so whatever the you know might be a symbol or or uh most most hired thugs or whatever or goons yeah the whole game's really it's it's fast yeah which i really like and it's tactical but not so in a way that you can completely math out what the best things are because there's not a guarantee you're going to get the things that you really that you think you really need so you kind of you've kind of got a way do i really want to try to push my luck and get x or do i need to maybe distribute a little bit more and hope i get a little bit of everything uh and it's a really interesting kind of way that it does that with the the bidding mechanic especially since you have a couple of things that are everybody has the exact same stuff to bid with and there is uh, we played the standard play there's an advanced play uh, for the game that adds in asymmetric powers and mm-hmm. uh, a bit and some extra complexity to the game which i don't think really makes the game any any worse but considering i haven't played it that often uh it does for whatever reason it i i think the bidding mechanic makes it hard for me to get to the table because a lot of the people my wife included <laughs> that I play games with don't care for games where there's bidding for things and it's it's been a little bit harder for us to get to the table but every time I've played it I've had a great time is that because you won Ben Ben always wins this game <laughs> that might also be true and by wins I mean like crushes the opponents it feels like yeah he had well so. more than 20 points over both of us. Oh, both of us. Yeah. And I was another maybe 10 or 20 behind your score, I think. <laughs> it was your first play. It was, so there yeah. Was, well, that. And Suzanne did lose 16 points off of raids. Ouch. That's true. I yeah. am not very good at, you know, <laughs> can't hear a suspicion. I'm very suspicious. Those insectoids were very suspicious yep. people. Yep. Running all over the jail. Yep. So, I mean, I will. I like the artwork on the board. And the artwork in general with this game is something I do enjoy about it. It's a very well done game. It's 
not my favorite game by any stretch because of the bidding mechanic. That's not for me. It causes me a lot of stress trying to figure <laughs> out what I want to do. And I may, I don't know. It keeps my mind more closed to what the different options are. For me, if I play this again, I really would like to play with the advanced setup and see if that changes what my strategy is and kind of how I feel about the bidding mechanic portion of it. So I do like worker placement and I do like you kind of have a good opportunity to get a lot of resources and mm-hmm. stuff with the game. But it does do some interesting things with the bidding too, where it's not just uh, the player who bids the most gets the action. Most of the spaces, it's something like the player who bids the most gets a high reward, say like three of a resource or first choice at crafting one of the available items so they can pick like the best one. But then some of the spaces will give a lesser reward to the player in second place and then nothing for anyone else. And some of them are the player with the most uh, power or strength at the space gets a high reward. And then the player with the least amount of strength gets a reward and nobody in the middle gets anything. So you can kind of play differently on these different spaces to kind of get the thing you're looking for. Or, uh, you know, if you, you can use a, a low value worker to still get a reward as long as you play like under somebody on some spaces. So I, I do like that they mix it up a little bit. It's not straight bidding. It's not, you know, the highest power always wins. There's, there's a little more there, but I think that does introduce a little bit more a chance for, analysis paralysis on your turns because you have to think again like all right can i can i play lower to get this reward do i need to definitely play the most to get what i want so it's an interesting game but if you like games where you bid and you're placing workers and you have an opportunity to maybe the pretty heavy player interaction then uh lock up is a game that you should definitely check out let's dive into our next game And that is going to be Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. So this game has had a bit of some interesting thoughts out there on the internets. (laughs) But uh, Suzanne, why don't you tell us about this? This is a game that you backed on the Kickstarter. So you have the Kickstarter copy. Uh, Justin actually has the standard retail copy. So it's kind of interesting. We'll have a little bit of comparison there. But Suzanne, why don't you go ahead and give us just a real quick, uh, what's this game about? What's this different than regular Terraforming Mars? So to start off with, it is by a game by Stronghold Games, also the same publisher for Terraforming Mars. This version of the game is a standalone game, so you do not have to own the base game. Uh, It does condense the game down with a few different mechanic mechanics, but if you've played Terraforming Mars before, you know how this game is going to function with a couple small changes. So it's a great way to get the Terraforming Mars experience in a shorter playtime. With this one, you have to kind of speed it up. You have phases and the, each player selects from a card of from a hand of five phases which phase they want to make sure gets activated that round. So you do run into the possibility of having one or more people activating the same phase, or more than one person activating the same phase, and some phases that you want activated not happening certain rounds. You activate these phases, and that detects what actions are done that round. 
and you go around the table and just like terraforming Mars, the base or the basic terraforming Mars game, you are trying to change the planet by increasing the oxygen, the temperature, and the water. Uh, And once all those conditions are met, the game ends. I think all of us have played Terraforming Mars at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three of us have played this new version. And what are things you guys enjoyed about this new version of the game? I'm kind of curious what the what you thought, Justin, because you have both copies. Suzanne and I have only played the Kickstarter version. You have both oh. copies. What did you really think was awesome in the maybe the Kickstarter version, yeah. or do you think the the retail version is got everything? You pretty much, you know, is it cool enough? Uh, so the, the the big differences are in the Kickstarter version. You have component trays for holding the cubes. Fine, they're nice. Uh, you could probably do without them. Any trays you use normally for a game, you'll be fine. The Kickstarter one also came with the neoprene maps for player boards, which is... It was an is, add-on, but yeah. Oh, that was an add-on? Okay, so that's not part of the base. Those are nice. I don't think they're, you know, they're not going to... They they amplify the the quality of the gaming experience, but I don't think they necessarily matter for mechanics or anything like that. So, But the player boards... Uh, in the Kickstarter version are two-layer cardboard with slots for the uh, uh, production cube. So just like in standard Terraforming Mars, there are resources uh, that you produce, and you have a production level for each of those resources, and they're tracked on a track. Uh, And in the Kickstarter one, they have the nice two-layer cardboard to fit the little resource tracker cube into on retail. It's just a thin card stock sheet, so they can slide around a little bit is a little bit of a disappointment in the retail version, but I think it's easier in this game to check and reset your production levels if the stuff gets bumped, because with this one, all the cards in front of you that you've played are what determine what your production is. So it's very easy, like you don't actually need to use the resource production tracker at all. You can just count the symbols on the cards you played. So if you play a card that provides you production in, heat uh uh you can just count that symbol on the card and you get the production so not not as big of a deal it is nice to have the two-layer cardboard um other than that i think there weren't many other differences with the retail i think the uh all the other cardboard and board sizes are all the same i think for for having the trays uh, or the uh, two-layer cardboard it'd probably be worth it to get the kickstarter version (laughs) but hey it's you know easy to grab at target so for myself, I really I enjoyed this game. It didn't blow me away, and I think the thing that made it not blow me away the most was the lack of the terraforming experience. Mm. In Terraforming Mars, you have a picture of the surface of the Mars. I mean, it's a 2D picture, but it's a picture, and you'd put tiles on the map so you could see the greeneries, you could see the cities, yep. you could see these other event tokens would get on the on the map, and you would slowly see the surface of Mars become this terraformed location. The only thing that even comes close to that is where they they, they have ocean, they have the, like a kind of a picture of the Mars with covered in ocean tiles. And when you build an ocean, you flip over an ocean tile when they're all flipped. It's done, but it, it really doesn't, it does not scratch the itch of like tangibly seeing 
and seeing the surface of the planet become ter- become terraformed. And and I think that is because you kind of have a good idea where everybody is points wise. You see what everybody's TR ratings are, and mm-hmm. I think if you get a bit of in so far in my plays, if you get a bit of a jump on the terraform, ter- terraforming rating, like you're five to ten points over the other players, it's probably a good shot you're going to be the winner. I don't think it's quite decisive like that, but I think it is. So you can kind of like it, it. It's too much focused on just the tracks and not that tangible experience of like. Hey, I know I'm not going to win, but I'm just going to push really hard to get a bunch of extra greeneries out, or I'm going to push really hard to get a bunch of cities out because that's what I can do, and I can just see it, and I can get that tangible, like, hey, I can really, I have that more immersive experience. So it's it loses some of that immersion for me, and that's that's part that I don't I don't care for. It definitely is faster. It doesn't have the bloat that Terraforming Mars has with all of the expansions. Like I love all of the expansions and what they add to Terraforming Mars, but it adds such a bloat to the game and time and rules that it's very hard to get the game to the table with the, all of the expansions because too many people would come to our board game nights haven't played Terraforming Mars or haven't played it with Expansion X and you can't... I don't even think you can get Terraforming Mars in in a game night with a number of the expansions. It's just too long of a game. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree that this with Ben with the... The theme of the game for me is kind of lost. You could change this to be a candy factory and have it basically be, you know, just change some of the images on the cards and the name of some of the cards and it would still play the same. And so the theme doesn't matter as much, which is something I really enjoy with Terraforming Mars and which what drew me to it initially. I do like that this game plays so quickly, though, with three or more players. I... I didn't really enjoy it playing with two. I will play it with two players again. But with three, you get that extra, hopefully, like at least two different phases that are going to pop up. And it could fit into a game night or sometime that you're looking for a little quicker game. I would want to see that the main board they have is smaller than the box. And I feel like they could have made it a little bit larger so you can see the tracks on that. Mm -hmm. So I kept knocking my uh, terraformer rating cube over i wasn't quite getting it on little spot that's a little <laughs> bit smaller than the cube and the same for yeah. the oxygen and temperature tracks it was just a little too tiny one nice thing they did with those tracks is they color coded them so you didn't have to be able to read if it says negative 18 degrees you just have to know what color it is for your cards yeah. so you know the next time i play this i there's a couple different house rules I, want, I would like to try by drafting the starting cards because that is one fun thing with Terraforming Mars that you're missing with this is just uh, building up that initial engine going mm-hmm. to. So, and then I think we did this this last time is you don't flip, put all the ocean tiles on the board. You put them in a little stack next to it so that you're not knocking those all over the place. So I don't know what uh, you guys have any thoughts about what you would house rule for making the game, enjoying the game going forward? I don't have any house rules, but I do have kind of the opposite reaction to this game compared to Terraforming Mars. I really like Terraforming Mars, but to me, this game puts all that into a smaller, faster package that for me gets like almost the entire experience and is is smoother and faster. So I really like this game. I think it's like, for me, it's like a, a perfect way to play Terraforming Mars without a three and a half hour game session or whatever. 
like for me, Terraforming Mars is about the the card play, and and this game is a hundred percent focused on the cards. So yeah, there's no there's no placing tiles out onto the the Mars map and sort of getting these points based on your adjacency to things with your tiles and your cities and stuff. Um, and I think they had to take that out to gain some efficiency in the game, right? And it, and I think they it is supposed to be kind of like Terraforming Mars, the card game. I think that's how yeah. they mm-hmm. how yeah. they sort of sold it. Uh, so to, like to me, that it's perfect in that aspect, and it combines Terraforming Mars with sort of the mechanics of another game I really like, Race for the Galaxy, where you have this action phase selection mechanic that Suzanne mentioned. Um, feels like terraforming mars you're doing almost all the same stuff the card combos and the sort of finding those ways to like really max out you know points on a particular card that's all in there but i think one thing we actually didn't mention was when you're doing your actions in the game they're all happening simultaneously the players all the players can do their actions at the exact same time whatever phase it is like if one of the phases is just develops you get to play development cards and just pay for them and play them everybody does at the same time so it can move really really quickly so i really like that i really enjoy the game i played it twice i played it as a two-player and as three i think it is better with more players but i i really like the condensed terraforming mars experience um so that that part wasn't ruined for me (laughs) that i just like the card aspect more i guess maybe So, I mean, if you love Terraforming Mars and you want more of it and you want to condense it and get it to the table a little faster, then you should check out Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition from Stronghold Games. And with that, let's dive into our hobby corner. Of course, uh, we can't have Whisker Dice without talking about miniature hobby at least a little bit, so I'll go ahead and get started. I've been working on, we've had this Dungeons & Dragons campaign we've been playing now. We're into our second or third session. I don't even second session yeah it's second session i think yeah third third no third session third session (laughs) yeah i'm the dm and i don't even know anymore it feels like it's been going forever one of our players and i had offered as the uh when i was starting to organize this is that anybody that wanted me to paint their miniature uh i would paint their character miniature for them Uh, i've painted i don't know 100 plus miniatures since this thing started we started really getting talking about this doing this thing just so I could be ready as the DM to have lots of cool miniature uh, monsters on the board. And I really wanted to have, for the full game experience, to have fully painted heroes on the board as well. So we had uh, one of our uh, players uh, playing Swifty, who is playing a human wizard, wasn't painted. And this is the second session of playing with an unpainted figure. And I caught him. Like, hey. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, I'll paint that for you. And so I actually got him to leave me the figure from the last this last session. And we had some back and forth about how we how we wanted it painted, and um, it was an interesting experience because I, I haven't actually really went through that experience in, in kind of, it's almost that commission painting experience, but I, I don't really do commission painting for anyone where you're kind of going back and forth on, on trying to figure out how somebody wants something painted, maybe what color palettes they want, getting an idea visually what they're thinking in their head, and and uh, then I went to town and sent, kept sending him preview pictures over the course of about two or three days of, of kind of as it was starting to come together. And it just finished, I think, yesterday. I officially put up the finished pictures. Or maybe it was Friday. Friday, so a couple days ago. It's one of my favorite pieces I've done, especially recently. It's definitely my favorite piece I've done for D&D. 
I did put a lot of work into it, a lot more than what I did on any of the other D&D pigs, but the blends look great. It's a blue wizard. You'll be able to see the picture up on the Wisco Dice uh, post for this episode, but it's the blue of the robes really worked out well. The only thing I'm not particularly happy on, and I just, because I painted it and I'm looking at it, I'm not super pleased with the way the face and the eyes look on it, but everything else just really, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. It definitely is very photogenic because of the way the blues and the, uh, the blends look together, so that's awesome. Nice. So, Brian, why don't you tell us about what you got on the table? Uh, since I had finished my D&D mini uh, before the last session, I am back on my uh, VC21 Vampire Counts for Warhammer project, so I'm still plugging through the zombies. I think I'm keeping up with what seems to be kind of my hobby goal of getting five of them out between each show. It's been sidelined a little bit recently for some home projects, but I did have a pretty good start on them after the last recording, so they're pretty nearly there. Like, I assume the home project's still going to get in the way of finishing them before the next show, but they're really close. And then after this group of five, I only have five more left, and then I have my planned zombie unit all done. So that project's still rolling along. I don't think I'm going to make it this year kind of thing, but I'm happy with my amount of, like, inspiration to keep going on it and the progress i've made so far so that's that's it you're not getting another warhammer game until you get those zombies done (laughs) i was thinking that like every time i finish a unit or something we should get another game for sure kind of thing and that'd probably be a pretty good timeline and then you won't bring the painted unit to the table you'll like i'll (laughs) I'll find some way to not play with any after all your hassling (laughs) i'll I'll have to (laughs) he's got all these painted figures now but he's just he's like i need the true warhammer experience Unpainted models on the table only. <laughs> uh, we'll see. It'll come together. So I am not part of the D&D campaign, but I am uh, trying to help out and craft some uh, components for it. So as part of my other projects I'm working on, I'm trying to work on a, a pond for some Batman training. It's going to require some resin. I've not worked with resin before, so... I thought, you know, it'd be easier and fun to, Ben suggests I start with uh, making him some small potion bottles for the D&D campaign. So I have been working on trying my hand at using food coloring with resin and some glitter to make little tiny potion bottles, which if you've ever used glitter, you know it makes a mess. It doesn't, (laughs) there's no way, as soon as you open the bag, it's all over the place. (laughs) So we have lots of glitter on our kitchen table. I don't know if my husband has noticed yet. Uh, but it's it's all over there you know it it does make a bit of a mess it's gonna take some time to perfect it but it's a fun little project that i hope is i don't know at least make some nice pictures for the campaign at some point or fun to play at and throw at each other so that's what i've been working on brian and justin weren't able to actually attend the last session they were going to do a virtual makeup session for them but uh, yeah, they we'll have to show you before you go. They're really they're actually pretty cool. Cool, cool. <laughs> I have been doing some painting. Uh, unfortunately, it's just painting my house. <laughs> uh, I, I moved recently, and so that has been the thing I've been doing in any of the time that I can squeeze out uh, uh, between work and and other stuff right now. So hopefully, we'll we'll. I've been looking around for a good first level Koth mini for D D because i want someone who's a little more roughed up and just you know sort of a scruffy half work even a, maybe a barbarian would work for for where he's at right now because everybody's wearing furs and stuff 
but I haven't I haven't really found anything I really like yet. I've been looking at the the Nolzers D and D line and Reaper and just nothing's been I you know I'm looking. I'm trying to find something for my next my next project. I may need to just go back to my learn to paint stuff that I haven't finished either. <laughs> so, uh, so if you see a otherwise all scruffy my... half work out there, we should send it. Yeah, to I you need to find a good you know. a good scruffy half work. <laughs> Ideally, with a hammer, that's going to be impossible. But that could be a pretty easy hack. Something. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Switch out weapon swap. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. All right, that gets us through our hobby corner. Make sure you check out whiskodice.com for all of our picks of our pot of our uh, hobby projects as well as the games we've been playing. All right, for that we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back, we'll be into tricking out your game space. Hey folks, this is the Conzie of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick and mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. And we're back! Woohoo! All right, let's uh, go ahead and talk about tricking out your game space. So let's first just go do a quick uh, go around the table and and just talk a little bit about what you have. I think we're in very. I think what's really cool about this discussion is that we are all well. Suzanne and I are in the same state, but all the <laughs> like Brian and Justin, you guys are in different states for your tabletop game rooms from not having any di- tabletop <laughs> gaming space to maybe getting started in, in these varying states. So let's just kind of, Brian, if you want to get started, get us started. Tell us about like, what is your gaming space or, or what's sure. it, what's the current state? Yeah. Mine's a very like makeshift gaming space. Like I'm lucky enough to have a designated space. It's very focused on hobby. Like I just have a old desk in there and that's where I do all my painting and everything. And I have a fair amount of shelving in there, although it's not enough cause I still have, stuff on the floor and everything uh-huh. there is a closet in there i should deck that out to hold stuff a little better but it's good i have at least a designated space it's like just enough space to work comfortably like if i do switch projects i do kind of have to switch some stuff around a little bit and like everything's not super easy access like usually i set up the paints i'm kind of using on the tray and i have a light and then i have shelves with some of my other hobby supplies right there and then I have like some bookcases that display some of my miniatures and hold games and other like well my stack of shame I guess you could say <laughs> <laughs> unbuilt model kits and stuff. <laughs> um, it's also a shared space for some of my like old school video gaming. So I have like an old CRT TV in there with like a NES and oh, my nice. old N64 and old ps2 and stuff hooked up in that so it's kind of a shared space with that i guess i also have like my rather large like dvd blu-ray collection in that room also so it's kind of all my weird little people watch movies on blu-rays anymore i still have my collection yeah (laughs) i mean i I own a bunch of blu-rays but i can't remember the last time i actually got up and put one in (laughs) Uh, i don't know sometimes like you think of one 
and then like you just can't find it streaming anywhere well a lot of times you could rent it or whatever but it's kind of nice to have it whenever you want it for Mm -hmm. some of them i think it has depleted my movie buying amount having so much available to stream for sure like i definitely don't buy quite as many as i used to all the time that or i might just not watch quite as many movies as i used to but that's kind of my current setup uh it's just like a, a spare bedroom in our house right now our basement is unfinished like the kind of the dream is to finish the basement and that would really be you know a much bigger area designated gaming space and hobby space so i've put some thought into the future possibilities for sure awesome well it sounds awesome justin tell us a little bit about your space yeah so as i kind of mentioned uh i moved recently got a house the current basement is partially finished so there's um, paneling or, or drywall up and different rooms down there and basically finished except for it right now there's just sort of tile floor so i think probably by the end of the year we'll have some carpet down there but uh one of the rooms uh down there is basically had been earmarked for me for mm-hmm. a dedicated gaming space as a like brian said like I'm, I'm lucky enough to have that space that i can now dedicate to to games basically uh so yeah so i'm sort of in the process of building it for the first time and figuring out what i need in there and just the basics just getting a, a comfortable space that that has the storage i need and the lighting and and is a good place to play games um, so that's sort of where i'm at right now it's doing a little bit of double duty kind of like yours mm-hmm. brian where i got one shelf in there that's pretty much just comics uh graphic novels and stuff like that since I don't really have another place to put that stuff right now, but mostly it's intended for board games and do you have a, a it's just a, you know, a dining table that we've had for a long time. Uh, not a dedicated gaming table yet, but just, you know, a big enough surface uh, and it, you know, it's got a leaf and stuff so it can get bigger. So, but I'm, I'm just in the, in the place where, you know, finding the right shelving and, and maybe upgrading the lighting a little bit. Like it's, it's uh, a little dark down there in the basement, so I, I'm trying to find, you know, I think, like, lighting is pretty important for, for playing a board game. You don't want, you know, bright lights just bouncing off the board and glaring all over the place. You need, like, kind of nice diffuse light, so I'm thinking about what to do for that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of it's in, in it being built in the process. So. Well, it sounds exciting, though, so <laughs> definitely looking forward to seeing it when it's done. Yeah. And there, just invited our, us over to <laughs> I figured we were going to get invited over anyways, oh, yeah, but for yeah. Sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, just... not, it's not ready quite yet. It's, again, it's just this crappy, yep. you know, tile right now. So uh, I got some shelves, you know, I got a, you know, not a, it's not a Calyx, as is traditional. Uh, <laughs> for many board game uh, storage solutions, but it's a similar kind of cube shelf. I think it actually is Ikea uh, and some other bookshelves and stuff in there. You know, enough to hold my my collection at the moment. And That sounds like a good start. Ben and I are slightly different space with our uh, gaming than uh, you guys are. We bought this house a little over a year ago and had the basement finished and knew it was going to be our dedicated gaming space. So mm-hmm. we've had a year to get it kind of set up down here, which is nice. And we're starting to focus or I'm starting to focus. And I hope Ben is also focus on more of the decorating uh, just to kind of finish it off and give it a little bit more finished feel. Uh, so 
I think that's my main focus is just what I can get. Like uh, we were at the Renaissance Fair and we saw this tapestry with some dragons on it. And I thought that was kind of cool. So it's in our gaming space now. And I don't know, Ben, what else is our, your focus with our space? Uh, I, well, I would, I would rate we're, I kind of in my head, I have this idea of a maturity matrix of your gaming <laughs> space. And I've, for me, uh, gaming space for you is a little bit different because you kind of been pulled along with me as I've kind of invoked gaming space onto you, uh, <laughs> Suzanne, uh, because that's been one of the things I've had in almost almost every place other than maybe my first apartment on my own has been some form of dedicated gaming space. And it used oh. to be like... I had this, when I got into Wargaming and Warhammer, I ended up with like a, a table that I threw together, like a four by eight table that was like a piece of plywood with a, with a, with a two by four frame and, and two by four legs and yeah. some, then, a, then I went, Ooh, I got really fancy and put a shelf, uh, made a uh, plywood shelf underneath it for about a, about six to eight inches off the floor where I could stash stuff. That was the old, what I had at the old Acewood house and then migrated it, you know, which was also in an unfinished basement, or mostly unfinished basement, and uh, now this is the first time where I've had a fully based, fully finished basement where I'm able to increase the experience and, and really start to focus differently into, hey, and now instead of just having that, going from the past the getting started to the functional gaming space to now I have like a more refined gaming space and I, I'm not quite to that fully mature because it's fully mature. Like when you look at those game spaces, you're like, I wish like that would be my dream life. Like that I think is going to actually, <laughs> that has some real potential for the next house. <laughs> um, so we're, so we're in this kind of interesting state where we're like starting to focus on the decorations aspect of our tabletop gaming space but also like we're also in this like heavy make starting to make decisions on what the future state's going to be because we we're in that planning stage of of starting to work through the design of the next house and and see what that's going to look like which is crazy cuz we haven't been here that long. <laughs> hey I wanted to ask, so I I hadn't really thought about this before, but I know you obviously do board games here in 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 your game room, but do you also do uh, war gaming like on on this table? So this is a what we're sitting at right now is a what kind it's of a, table? So this is a Jasper. You're talking about shelves. So these the same company just did a Kickstarter for board game shelves, Ooh, okay. uh, made out of the <laughs> same material this t- this Jasper game table is, and we have a review. Um, which is very popular, uh, and if you're looking for tabletop game, a uh, board game table that's really relatively, you know, somebody made it, manufactured it at the inset gaming area and whatnot. That's relatively inexpensive, you know, that right around that thousand dollar price point. The Jasper Gaming Table from BoardGameTables.com is the table that you probably want to go get. It's actually made out of real wood. <laughs> it's actually very very nicely finished with a very durable finish and they just had a kickstarter and will have available here shortly uh their shelving system which is designed to be a competitor to the calyx uh, ikea calyx shelves <laughs> yeah but is actual wood versus that particle yeah, particle board, yeah. board junk that is in, if you get it wet or you put too much weight on it it's going to warp as you can tell i don't really care for calyx shelves <laughs> uh, which is why i don't have them as far as 
I don't even remember what we, we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so my, my question is really just, do you use this space at, oh, for, for board gaming and wargaming, or do you do wargaming more at uh, other locations? or what? I got off on that entire tangent. I completely forgot what the well, question no, I, was. Oh, no, I got you talking about the <laughs> Jasper. So, uh, so the, yes, the, the, the short answer is yes, we do use this table for, for, uh, for wargaming. Now, most of the wargaming we're doing is like the Batman miniature game lately, which is on a 3x3 three three play area for the actual game, so I don't need... Oh, okay. Um, the surface with the toppers on the Jasper is a 3 foot by 5 foot play space. So it's... If you are... There's a little bit wider than 3 foot. It's like, like 3 foot, three 6 foot. inches yeah. by 5 foot and some of the play space. The inset play space is 3 foot by 5 foot. Mm. You're not quite the, the traditional four foot by six foot, so games like Bolt Action and Warhammer uh, would are, are a little bit of a struggle, and I actually need to, if I were going to play one of those games, we'd either have to reduce like maybe deployment zones, or we would have to. I have um, insulation foam that I can put on top of it as well that won't scratch the table, and mm. then we can put our, our 4 by 6 mat on top of it, and then I need, then we for all the other stuff on the side, grab some TV tables or something to put them on. But uh, for any of those games like Malifaux, uh, Batman Miniature Game, um, we actually play Star Wars Armada on this table, which is a 3-foot by 6-foot play area, so we, we lose about a foot of play space, but to be entirely honest, I don't think we've ever had a problem with that because we just end up with a cluster of ships blasting each other <laughs> um and then suzanne star destroyers doing weird things uh you mean killing your rebel fleet usually that's not the case <laughs> so yeah so yeah the answer the short answer is yes we we use it for a lot of war games and it definitely is inconvenient if i wanted to play one of those war games that requires a larger, larger play yeah. space but that's planned kind of in the future state so <laughs> <laughs> it's also a little bit too small if you talk about it for our D&D group it's it's perfect for Dungeons and Dragons this table is great for Dungeons and Dragons it's supposed to seat 6 but if you have a large map that you're putting maybe in the center of the board with then players and their materials you really it's a comfortable for maybe a four player party and Dungeon Master yeah. um, on it's own and we, we actually did that last session and it worked just fine it was a little cozy because I had a huge map on the board for the start of the session, but uh, once that got picked up, it was fine. So, yes, it, it would be nice if it was a little bit bigger. And they do actually, when this came out, when the Jasper was originally out, this table was the only size in Jasper they have. They just introduced a larger size Jasper that you can get now for slightly more money, but it's a standard production table. I think it's supposed to see eight, but it's just a little bit bigger. I mm -hmm. don't think it quite gets to the four foot by six foot. I think it's the same width, just longer. Sure. We'll see. Like Next additional table that we get will not be a, not be a boardgametables.com table, likely. But that's not because we don't like it. We actually really love our Jasper. It's just not... We want something a little bit different. So, that was a complete tirade. <laughs> it's something completely not about what our main topic was, but I think it's it's useful to talk about. And I think all of our listeners know how much you love your Jasper game table now. Oh yeah, I mean if you I mean if you want an honest review of this table, I we, I reviewed it after about after a year of ownership and after moving it houses even. So there's a lot of experience that we've had with this table and and uh, a lot of good thoughts on our blog at whiskodice.com. 
that kind of set it up. We, we've talked a little bit about our current game space and what we like about it or kind of what states we're at. So we, we're at kind of the miniature hobby game space, the starting first-time game dedicated game room space, the more mature but still learning and developing game space. And there's certainly then that, that top level maturity level, which is that like, holy cow, like that must've cost you like $20,000 game space. Like that's <laughs> looks like an old English pub or something like that, which I'm hoping for, for our next space. Um, but uh, <laughs> what are the, some of the, the big things that you find are like, not the, t- you know, the table or the workspace or the, the you know, there's all these things that you have that they're focused maybe to the games themselves and the, the you know, like if you're, you're using your tab- game space for miniature hobby, of course you're going to have the miniature hobby stuff that's kind of required for that space. If you're using, if you're using the space for board games, obviously the table's going to be required, but what are those other things that you guys think are kind of really awesome accessories that are helping you or that you would like to add to your current game space? I know I could think of a few things I need to improve that are just kind of smaller additions. Um, like you mentioned the light or whatever. Like I do have like a daylight. It's just kind of a desk lamp, but it happens to be like a little short. So it always ends up making me like hunch under it a little bit. <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. do weird things when I'm trying to see my mini. So some kind of like improvement to my light there. Like... As a hobby space, I feel like the light is especially important for even when you're just assembling the tiny bits, but for sure when painting. Um, I've seen a lot of those like kind of hoop, like semicircle, like LED lights that seem kind of popular. Um, I haven't actually looked into what I would think of it or like been somewhere where I could kind of see and get a feel for it if that's something I want. And then as far as like how I mentioned earlier, like when I transition projects, I kind of have to do a lot of reset on my table a little bit. And I think something that would help out a lot now that I've gotten into more painting and gone through a few different projects now, if I had like a paint organizer, I think that would help a lot because my (laughs) old system of having like a bag full of all my pots and then digging out whatever ones I need for a project. And um, I just kind of set them all out in front of me, but even just for my zombies, since I'm painting them all kind of random and don't have quite as small as a palette as I normally would like it just ends up taking up a lot of space having all those pots out and then when you do reset it's just like a lot of digging for colors you think you may have or know you have and finding them and stuff that's kind of two of my hobby ones I think I would want to improve my shelves for miniature display also um like they just kind of well when i do have them out on display they're just kind of sitting on the shelves and they happen to stay there for so long and it bothers me that they get dusty Mm. so i think having like a better like kind of you know whatever curio cabinet or whatever is that kind of those fancy display cabinets to kind of seal them in a little better and you know actually have some with lighting built in and stuff i think would really accent like the finished miniatures stuff so that's kind of three big things like i would look for like seeing the faults of my space right now for sure that are you know not the basics of a gaming table and a desk and stuff like that how about you justin yeah so i mean in terms of like accessory type things i mean i have a couple things that i like to use just as board gaming accessories right now one of the things i really like are uh the 
Board Game Geek Bit Bowls, which are silicone bowls for holding just components while you're playing a board game, resource tokens, whatever it is. You can get them from the Board Game Geek store, and they're pretty reasonable for, for how much they are. They come in a huge variety of colors, and I think the the full set isn't too bad. I think it's maybe 13 or 15 colors, and it's $42, something like that, maybe a little bit more. They're silicone uh, bowls that come in two sizes. They are flat, and then you just sort of assemble them and pinch them together. So they're similar to some of the like dice trays that you would snap together in the corners. Uh, but they're so that's sort of the shape that they have. And I just use them for putting out components for for almost any game that I play because you can kind of color match them to what the what the resource or token color is. So it makes it really easy to kind of see where you want to grab stuff. Um, I really like those, you know, a, a little bit more of an expensive way to to do just, you know, holding tokens. But I, I, I really like them. They got the the BGG, you know, imprint on them and stuff, which I think they're going to update soon because right now the ones I have are like the old logo. And I think Board Game Geek has changed their logo recently. But another thing I will mention, which I probably will do, I have I don't, I don't have any of these yet, but on, again, the Board Game Geek store, I don't know if you guys have seen these, but there's this series of art prints called, I don't know, they call it like the Board Game Artist Series. And what it is is they've commissioned... Uh, various artists who do board game art or just other kinds of art to kind of re-envision the the box cover or just do kind of like a poster of a of a board game of a popular board game so there there's a series of these I think they're up to the fifth series where there'll be four posters in a series so I think the first one had like Agricola and gosh I'm, I'm forgetting what they are now but I know they have like a feast for Odin they have like Race for the Galaxy, Dominion, um, Gloomhaven, like, you know, big, big hitter board games. And they're just beautiful, uh, uh, you know, printed artwork that you can frame and put on the wall. So I think when I get to a more mature stage in my game room, I'm going to I'm gonna get a couple of these posters. And they come in a variety of sizes. They're just really, really cool. And I think would super enhance any any board game space. I mean, they're definitely board game specific, but one thing I also do for my games, I will sometimes create custom accessories. So like uh, when I got Everdell, uh, one of the first things I did was go and make little custom component containers for each of the different resources. So I have a little basket to put the berries in and uh, I made a little mine cart uh, and to, to hold the little stone pieces in for the mine and things like that. So that's one thing I like to do to kind of check out my spaces is sometimes do custom custom accessories for games. There's a couple couple games I've done that for. I think when I first really started getting into gaming with like Agricola, I, you know, started seeing people on forums customizing their their player tokens and doing custom stuff. So I, I think that was one of the first games where I like I painted the symbols for all the resources on the on the wood tokens that came with the game because they didn't have the cool uh, wooden uh, meeple animals and things like that yet. It was just like cubes and and discs. So um, that's something I really enjoyed doing too. I will also give a shout out to thick baggies and a hole punch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just got to have some baggies to store those game components and you should punch a hole in it if it doesn't has one because that makes the components push the air out and lay flat in your game box. (laughs) 
That's a good one, though. I, I, I keep... That's something I don't have here is a, a hole punch for the baggies, and I keep having to press all the air out and then yep, Suzanne's just, notorious for leaving air in the baggies <laughs> and they go in the box they so need I to have squeeze, a hole in them I gotta squeeze the air out you know put all the game components in and roll the baggie up just perfect and squish as much of the air yep, out as I can yep, yep. So, but yeah they just had a hole punch if I just had a hole okay, punch okay so I guess our next <laughs> accessory for the game room yeah, will be me walking punch. up one flight of stairs to my office grabbing the hole punch and bringing it downstairs yeah and then you'll take it back and I won't be able to find it no I have we have multiple hole punches you need a dedicated here. gaming hole punch this will be a, it'll yeah. be a dedicated gaming hole punch we have multiple in this house oh. So news to me. <laughs> I yeah, they're they're in your office, but anyway. Yeah. So how about you, also Suzanne? What do you, besides <laughs> besides dedicated gaming hole punches, are there other uh, accessories you guys like? So like you, you have the the board game bit ho- trays that they are really cool. I've seen them; they f- fold down flat. Uh, I opted to purchase some on Amazon, some silicone tart pans. For about yeah. the same price, the same amount, and they stack real nice. And a great thing is every now and then, because you know everything gathers dust and grime and whatever, I can just throw them in the dishwasher, oh, and yeah. you know a few times a year, and then they they're clean, and so it's super easy. Uh, so I do like those. We use and, them all of the yep. time, including today. Yep. Yes, to the point that I mean, I have a second set of them just so that for some games they have lots of components and. For your own components or players' components, much like baggies, I ne- everything needs to have its own space at the table. We so. also <laughs> oftentimes have two ta- two tables of games going that, at once, so having the second set for the other table is nice. That's that's very true, and uh, much like Brian having swaths of minis laying around that you need to be displayed better. <laughs> we don't have a curio in the basement, but I was getting very nervous reaching over Ben's uh, large expanses of minis on some of our gaming shelves, which I do like having displayed. I found some acrylic three-tiered display stands, so I put those up, and it actually allowed us to have a few more minis in the same amount of space, it seems. But you can see them now, and when guests come over... They can look at it without wanting to pick up everything, which is also what I wanted to do, and <laughs> I was always nervous I was going to break something. So, yeah, aren't those for like for so the the plastic acrylic trays you you bought? Aren't those for like displaying like retail products or like baked goods or something like that? Or they they could be used for that. These are pretty narrow ones. These are only a couple inches deep on each tier, but yes, it's basically for something like that. I think. You can find similar ones for displaying spices. I just wanted the all clear. So I think that really helped. And going along with displaying games and everything, we have a lot of small box games, such a lot of people do. Our current solution is we purchased a sideboard that has some glass doors, which is an accessory. I'm going to call it an accessory because we don't have to have it for gaming like you have to have a table. So that is my new favorite accessory is that I can put games in behind these glass doors. Oh lord, yeah. Small game storage is such a pain, and it's something yep. like you get the you get you get the calyxes, or you get the you know we have wire rack shelves or whatever, you book bookshelves or whatever. Those small box games just never seem no to work out right. Yeah, I've I, I, you know I have two fairly tall bookshelves, and like the the top small shelf on both of them is just 
a junk pile of little <laughs> box games and I hate the way that it looks, but there's nothing. I, yeah. I mean, the, the, your glass cabinet does look pretty nice. It, it kind of hides them away a little bit, which maybe is a good solution, but, uh, it, yeah. yeah, that's, I don't know. That's a I, tough one. I, it, I think our future, so just going to, you know, kind of to solve the small game box solution, we've actually put a lot of thought <laughs> on that and our future state when we have the next house and likely build it is that we will have built-in game storage shelves, mm. or like standard bookshelves, built-in bookshelves, but we're also going to have built-in drawers as part of that, mm. and those drawers are going to be kind of the perfect height oh, to put all of those like little tiny. So you know, we'll have drawers that we can put like the storage component bins and the dice trays, but we'll also be able to store small box games and drawers. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, so. I, th- I thought of one thing just looking around your game space here too that I, I keep wanting to do uh, or plan to do for, for mine is, uh, so you guys have a lot of just small like ledge wall shelves and I like the idea of having a, a, a couple led, like at least a, a, a single ledge which is sort of like to display a game that you're like interested in at the time and like here's what I'm playing right now. Sort of, you know, most of the games I have slid vertically on a shelf but uh, sometimes I want to like highlight a game and say and just keep it in my mind and like this is what I want to play next or put something up so using like a little ledge wall shelf to 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 face the game out so you can see the full box art is something I, I probably will have a little like highlight area to say like here's my very here's my cool. game of interest you know something like that very so. very cool you could have your shelf of shame yeah. so <laughs> they're all on display for everyone to see until you actually play them yeah. <laughs> well, as long as, as, long, as, long as you're not there. trying to apply that philosophy at Brandon's, you'll be okay. <laughs> no, I'm trying to apply it here because I can't <laughs> we, find all the shrink-wrapped ones anymore. We don't have that many shrink-wrapped uh, ones anymore. There's three from where I'm sitting straight in front of me. Mm, maybe. <laughs> but we don't have that many. So... I have a few things. So I, I just, I mean, I talked a little bit about shelving, but I think shelving is something that in store in shelving, I, I throw storage in this as well. I think that's mm. the plague and doom. We, we've all talked about storage at some point about something we're frustrated or need better storage or need to do storage. But I think storage and, and shelving is a, is a big topic. I'm not a fan. I, I get why people like the Calyx shelves. I'm not a fan of those. Um, I don't like free. I, I don't want to have freestanding shelves. Um, I don't really like my wire shelving that I use. I have like uh, I don't know. I got them off of Amazon. Um, but I originally bought the first wire. The first couple of wire rack shelves that I bought were so that I had a better better closet storage at our old house. And uh, now it's it is what I have, and it works just fine. But it'll eventually get. My vision is the next house will have greater unfinished storage all of those wire rack shelves will go to unfinished storage for (laughs) putting the things to put in unfinished storage like holiday decorations and um i will have uh, a new built-in storage system with proper shelves that are adjustable and some drawers that i can stash little things in and and whatnot that's kind of the plan but i think that's a big focus and so shelving is something that i've every game room i've kind of had i think that's something that comes up and has to be is that kind of storage but another thing that and we talked about it here earlier, and I think this thing that you know we're focused on, Suzanne and I are focused on, is the decorations of game room. So I've always had like a couple of posters up or something, but it's usually been a mismatch of 
like here's some Star Wars stuff, and then here's some Star Trek stuff, and <laughs> here's maybe some medieval fantasy stuff, and oh, there's some there's a Transformers poster or whatever, and it's all kind of this mismatched of different nerdy things that I liked, and that was cool. Like where we're starting to think about our game room and our game spaces, we're we're moving into this lot of instead of having it all over the place, we're gonna we're really looking towards this theme and we're looking at this like medieval in bar tavern kind of look and feel. So we started buying furniture that go to that towards that theme, but we also have been putting things up like the tapestry we got at the Ren Fair, which isn't really big. It's just kind of a little six inch or eight inch wide and, and fairly long looking uh, thing that looks really cool. And I put my swords up on the wall and now we're like, Hey, we need a few more medieval weapons. <laughs> and I got like the poster for the D and D camp, the poster map for the D and D campaign we're running on. And just those kind of things. Like some of my fantasy miniatures are more dominant now in the room um, versus the mismatched stuff. And then like the sci-fi stuff and the sci-fi nerd stuff has moved over to the movie area, which I thought was really cool because it's also more movie orientated. That thought process, for me, I thought that was a big shift and change in the way way I thought about game, tabletop gaming room, my tabletop gaming room and, and the look and feel of it was to... I went from, hey, it's just this is my happy little nerd space where I get to put all of my nerd stuff because it's the only <laughs> little room I have for it in the house yeah. to, hey, my tabletop game room is going to be a theme because I have plenty of room in other areas to put the rest of my nerd stuff. <laughs> and then the final thing that I wanted to kind of talk about and bring up was music. And this is something that we, I did not think of or realize how important being able to have background mood music was until I went and played board games for the first time at our friend Jason's house. And he's got, you know, built-in speakers. Um, I think it might even be zone-controlled, so I don't have no idea in his basement. But but he'd put music up over the speakers, and he'd, he'd kind of set this mood of this little like background sound that was going uh, for whatever the game was that we were playing. And that... that that just added so much to the the game experience. Just having that, like, hey, this is a hangout. We have some tunes playing. We're having a couple of adult beverages. We're playing a board game. We're just, you know, just kind of it helped relax the whole atmosphere. And I'm not. I mean, I have audio equipment. And it works really well in the basement for D and D, but it's it's just not quite there. So that's definitely something I'm. I'm putting thought towards when it comes to our future state game room is making sure that I have great audio to go with uh, the gaming experience so that I can easily play, you know, Hey, we're playing a fantasy game. Maybe I want to pop on some Lord of the Rings soundtrack. I'm playing a sci-fi game, you know, maybe some star Wars or star Trek yeah. music or something, you know, can all be playing or, Hey, we're just kicking it. We're just chilling out and we're playing, you know, playing games. I can put a little ACDC or, Disturbed or Metallica or whatever on the <laughs> on and be like, hey, we're just hanging out, having fun, playing some light games and beers or whatever. It's yeah, that was that was a big thing, and I don't think that I think that piece doesn't get thought about a lot. So having great audio to go with your visual experiences is, is becoming an important factor. Yeah, I think for for heavily themed games, I mean, I I I haven't seen a lot of people try to do that very much. I mean, we know a couple folks who have pretty mature 
dedicated gaming areas and i don't really think anyone's thought about like bringing it to that level of theming the the audio or the music or just even if it's just ambient stuff to like the game you're playing like for for something uh really heavily thematic i mean D D, perfect it's a perfect thing to do for that but there's board games i think even if you're playing a western board game throw some some what some country music or some western kind of like you know old western tv show music on or something to, to boost that thing that's a yeah I, I, that's a really cool idea i tried like when we were playing our imperial assault game i would ha- yeah. try to have star wars music going while we were playing i think we played uh whatever journeys in middle earth the the lord of the rings game app app driven game from fantasy flight we had lord of the rings music going on in the background while suzanne and i played that the last time most of the time we played most of our sessions we played i think we had bond that made the james bond legendary game kind of you really got into it when you had the theme music coming on and (laughs) yeah yeah you know you know that was really cool and you play a lot of jurassic park when we do dinosaur themed games so (laughs) it does really help get you into the theme of the game and maybe also relax some tension if it's a combat heavy game or a stick it to them mm-hmm. game so or increase the tension too or like it does that like, too, I, could, but... I could imagine like blood rage i'd want like some kind of intense you know maybe viking yeah. music or or just intense like video game combat music while i'm playing that like get everybody like get everybody's adrenaline moving a little bit yeah. more just from the the ambiance of the yeah. the sound of the room and the the game that that's paired with the game but of course yes dnd um, I, some of the audio thing that was more of a thought started becoming more of a thought because of the D and D campaign. Because I was like, "Well, it's kind of nice, but my speakers are way over there in the theater room. So unless I want to like point the speakers at the tabletop gaming room, <laughs> like you can hear it, but it's not as immersive or as the stereo isn't as good as it could be if it was in the room." I might just solve this problem with a couple of smart speakers, but we'll see where that actually goes. Um, I'm still putting a lot of thought into that, and there are a lot of options these days to for how you can solve those kind of problems. And smart speakers are not horrifically expensive. Um, so that are those are kind of my three uh, things that I've been thinking about that I think are really cool accessories and really cool things that you can do for your tabletop gaming room. Uh, I think it gets us through all of us. Is there anything else that we wanted to add to this particular topic? I, I guess I would just say for anyone who's starting up their game room, just make it usable for you in a place that you enjoy spending time in. Yeah, once you get past the table and some basic lights, even if they're not great, there's a lot of things you can do with your tabletop gaming room in a lot of different directions. And there's no one answer that says it's right. It's what's right for you and the experience you want for you and or anybody else that's going to be using that space with you. And it's probably an awful lot of a progression too. Like you're not going to get it well, some people maybe could, but you're not going to go from like zero to a hundred instantly, kind of thing. Like it's a lot of oh, perfecting, yeah, yeah. trying stuff, figuring out yeah. what you need, and just keep improving. Like you guys are still improving. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get there overnight, and you certainly aren't going to have that amazing game room unless you have, unless you have ridiculous amounts of money that you can pay a designer and pay, uh, pay for all the cool accessories and the cool theming and all of that in one step go. I haven't won the lottery yet. I don't think anybody else here has. Uh, but when we do, we'll let you know what that experience is like, too. <laughs> like, when I can afford to hire somebody from Wormwood to show up at the house and design the game space around the table, that'll be the day. Like, 
I don't think I'll ever quite be there. Hey, but if uh, if anybody listening, uh, you know, has has other ideas or other kind of favorite decorations or accessories or cool additions or, or storage solutions for for your gaming space, like go ahead and share those with us on our on our Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear other ideas for how to to maximize and trick out your gaming experience in your game room. Yeah, we definitely would. That would be uh, really awesome to hear what you have that works that maybe we didn't talk about today uh, and share with us. And maybe on a future episode, we'll talk about some of those things as well. All right. I think that takes care of it for today. So we have talked about all of those awesome things that you can accessorize and bling out your tabletop gaming room. Of course, we talked about our hobby corner and all the hobby projects we're working on. We talked about some of the games we've been playing and then we also talked about Gen Con 2021 and how you'll have a great opportunity to meet a pair of the hosts of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast at Gen Con, as well as to get some cool st- uh, swag from us if you're able to run us down. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter instagram or pinterest while you're at it if you haven't looked recently make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com hey brian what's that site oh darn i forget uh justin what's our website again wiscodice.com that's right it's wiscodice.com and until next time everyone peace out